Have you ever had uh, someone ask you, have you lost your mind? Anybody? How many have ever said that to somebody else? You just lost your ever-loving mind. Well, we all have. Makes me feel better. I've lost mine several times, and I've thought about a lot of people that they must have lost their mind. The reality is, uh, today we talk about in our final message, preparing for the future, about, about your mind. Now, here's what I, I just want to give a preface in the introductory. Uh, this message is one of those that deals with a major part of who you are. It's your mind, how you think. I'm not talking about positive thinking. I'm, I'm really talking about how to keep your mind pure, how to keep your mind so that it is thinking the thoughts that are that are God-honoring. You can think anything you choose to think. You can. I'm going to be talking to some of you that there is a, a bad thing that's captured your mind. Maybe you're captured by pornography, or maybe you're captured by lust in some situation. Maybe you're captured a whole lot of different things that can capture your mind. Here it is. You know that that's wrong, but you still suffer under the burden. How, how do you deal with that? Some people have a mind that's allowed themselves to be bitter and, and to, to be stressed. You have a mindset that you have a small list of people that you just don't like, and your mind's giving yourself permission to behave that way. And that's not God's will. It's not God's will. You have the ability to discipline your mind. That's why that you have the power of choice. If God wanted to control you, he would have never given you the power of choice. Some of you have given, your mind has given you permission to use foul language and still raise the hand and say, yeah, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, blank, 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 blank. That's not God's will. That's not wholesome. That violates people's trust of who God is. People watch you all the time. People, Sharon tells me, don't do that. <laughs> somebody will meet you somebody came up to me yesterday a little restaurant we were the only ones in there somebody walked in aren't you pastor blackburn <laughs> had on my flip-flops you look different well yeah i'm not preaching here you know but but how many understand so that's what that's what our text desires to talk about now, here's the trouble, is our minds are battled against all the time. It's easier to think wrong thoughts than it is right thoughts. How many would agree with that? Say amen. Just give it up and say, I'm going to let my mind wander and go wherever it wants to go. And there's a battle. The enemy would like to capture your mind all the time. But God says, I want you to keep your mind pure and holy. So here's what we hope to do today. And that is to move the needle of your spirit man. Just move that needle. This is something the Lord gave me about a couple months ago, is move that needle a little bit in the spirit world so that you say, I want to do a little better by God's grace. I want to think better thoughts in this message, and I want to just get closer to God, you know, and to say, well, bless God, I want you to take giant steps. I, I got to tell you, you get, you get a giant step usually by taking one little step at a time. And we're going to focus on the mind. Now, those of you in Florida, if you have a motorcycle, um, uh, there is a no helmet law in Florida. You don't have to wear a helmet. That's uh, not the law. 
in some states, you absolutely do have to wear a helmet, but, but they require helmets in some states. Now, can you imagine if they said, okay, we want you to wear a helmet, we want you to wear elbow pads, we want you to wear knee pads, uh, and uh, you'd look like, well, you just look like something very unusual riding a Harley-Davidson motorcycle with elbow pads and knee pads on. That is not cool at all, at all. But why is it? Because they say, hey, the most valuable part is your head. Trauma nurses that attend church here that I see in the trauma emergency room at Lakeland General who know that I have a Harley-Davidson uh, motorcycle um, understand, Pastor, you wear your helmet. Yeah, I wear my helmet. They said it makes a big difference. Patients that come in here off motorcycle accidents that wear helmets have a stronger percentage of surviving than those that do not. Please, please, please. So what are we trying to protect? Trying to protect your head. It is, we know that it is the nerve center. Now, what, what's wrong with it? So Paul says, let me tell you about my problem. And I use this so much because it fits. He said, sometimes I know the right thing to do. In my head, I know what's to do right, but I don't do it. I just choose not to do it. And he said, and you know, there's another part of me that I, I when I do right, I'm thinking, wow, I got that one right. How did that happen? I don't understand how that happened. He said, so I'm, I'm battling that all the time. Paul steps to the plate in 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. Here's what he says. Though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power, the weapons that we have, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. So whatever it is that is anti-God that does not fit this word, he said he has given you a weapon. It is the weapon of choice, the weapon of will, the weapon of the godly conscience of who you are. He said you have the ability to demolish those things. And so we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. So here's what you do. <clears throat> Carnality, if you allow your mind to begin to settle something in your head, that your mind is saying it's okay, culture says it's okay, my friends say it's okay, and your mind settles it, then you determine once your mind settles it that this is okay, immediately your lifestyle begins to reflect it. Your lifestyle begins to embrace it. Before long, once your mind accepts that, and when your lifestyle begins to practice that, then you are captured, and often captured by a lie. So here it is. If that which you have allowed your mind to settle on, that which culture would agree with you with, that which now is a part of your life that you are no longer challenged by conscience, and it is against this word, you are in a dilemma. And you're not in a dilemma with a book that has pages, an index, and a concordance. You are at a dilemma with the creator of the universe and the son of the living God who redeemed you. You're at a dilemma with the Holy Spirit. And from that moment, you're on one side and all three of the Trinity is on the other side. 
And the enemy has never been afraid to engage the devil or God. The enemy has never been afraid to engage you to begin to let your mind believe it will be before long. You will consider it to be right and the truth. But how do you gauge a lie through the Word of God? You certainly don't gauge it on what the culture thinks. You certainly don't gauge it on what friends uh, may think that believe the same way you do. Nothing there. Everything that you do in your lifestyle, everything that you think ought to be always gauged by this book. And if you find yourself in a defensive mode about a behavior that you are doing that is against this book, friend, you already have declared war against the person who died to redeem you from your sins. Is that pretty straight on? Pretty straight on. So what do we do? If you say this is what the Bible says, and it is against culture, you become an individual that are judgmental. <laughs> well, that's a lie of the enemy. You, they, the culture will label you judgmental, not me. I am a defender of the truth, amen, which may cast a light on me to say you're judgmental. Let me tell you, this book right here is a book of law and love, but it is a book of judgment. Y'all with me out there? Why don't we welcome our own light audience? It's huge these days. Give them a great big welcome. There you are. So here's what we do. Strongholds begin to build up. When you find yourself separating from the church, separating from Christian friends, separating from those who have influence and authority over you, friend, you are headed down a path that will bring you heartache and heart trouble. Go out there. It will happen. Why? Because God will not let bitter water and sweet water reside in the same vessel. He says, you make your mind up who you're going to be. If you think you're going to have my favor and be a born-again believer and receive the things that I have for you and a life that's going to be filled with gifts, and you're making decisions to straddle the middle of the fence and allow yourself to have a lifestyle that is contrary to what that book is, you are badly mistaken. I will step back and let you go your way. Not opposed to that. But here's one thing a person who's raised in the church and a person that knows Jesus Christ in the deep of their heart and know that Bible to be true, that here's what happens. They can't get rid of God. They can't get rid of him. Everywhere they go, whether it's a nightclub, whether it's a whatever club, they can't get rid of it. It can just be you in a dark corner somewhere practicing a behavior that is ungodly. Guess who's there? He's there. And mom and dad, listen carefully. Do not ever give up on your knees, calling out to God, reminding God, that's your child right there. They might be walking out there, but they belong to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And here's what will happen. That faith will bring them back to where they need to be. 
I had a lady one time in a revival. I've shared this illustration in a revival in a place not far from here. And it was a revival I wasn't supposed to be doing. The pastor said, I don't have any money and nobody ever comes out, but would you come? And I was pastor of another church at that time and took time of the schedule to go there. After the third night, the place filled up with people. The next night, the place filled up with people. I left my church on Sunday night, went there to preach. The place was packed with people. And a storm hit that knocked the lights out. And I kept preaching. I preach better in the dark sometimes, <laughs> finding out. And all of a sudden, God gave me, you see, we, we Pentecostal, we believe in the gifts of the Spirit and the gift of prophecy. And I said, wait a minute. I mean, I am sweaty. I am ready. And I said, there is someone in this room right now that you were raised in this church many, many years ago. And you decided that serving God in this church did not meet your lifestyle demand. You decided that there are better things out in the world there. And you've decided that now that you've made a lot of money and now that you have prestige and now that you've outgrown the way that you were raised, you've decided to live that way. But let me tell you who you are. Today, your washing machine broke down and did not work. And you complained over that in about two hours before you came to church tonight, your dryer quit working. You have two appliances that are not working right now. All of a sudden, a scream came out of the back seat of the last row of that church. A lady stood up and screamed. She was co-fured like no one you've ever seen and was really, really, really expensive. Jury ran down that aisle and said, that's me. God has not forgotten me. Oh God, save me, redeem me. Let me tell you something about what we believe about this word. Our God rules and our God reigns and he has his hand on everybody you know. Amen? Everybody you know. You cannot get away. Now that's the preamble of the message. You see, you understand it says to take captive every thought made it obedient to it. We take captive what we have of every thought. That word means to capture, to take the hill in battle, to conquer, to force into submission. But we have problem with spiritual ADD. Spiritual attention deficit disorder. Some people already in this room right now already thinking about lunch. You're already thinking about what you're going to do this afternoon, how much time you got left, and what you're going to do. And I'm standing up here giving you my best shot at preaching this word right here, and your head has already wandered out there. You have lost your mind. But don't we all do that? Don't we all have, to some degree, a spiritual deficit disorder? How do we get it all in line? Here's point number one. Don't believe everything you think. Don't believe everything you think. You see, that mental illness that I'm going to talk to you about is called sin. Sin will do its best to make you think thoughts, to give you opportunity to think thoughts that do not align in with the perfect will of God, that does not align with a holy life, does not align with a godly life. Here's what the Scripture says about your mind. 
He refers to it as a darkened mind, a depraved mind, a corrupted mind, a broken mind, a discouraged mind. And he said there's no one able to think purely because of the constant battle that is there by the powers of darkness. When God gives you an idea, we call that inspiration. Wow. When the enemy gives you an idea, it's called temptation. What's the enemy trying to do? To get into your mind? To tempt you. And that temptation, and you know what? The devil doesn't have to do a whole lot. Did you know that? He doesn't have to do a whole lot to create temptation. All you got to do is just take a look at culture today. You take a look at culture today. Culture will tempt you away. Culture will do just that. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Deceitful is we lie to ourselves. Let me give an example. I mean, this, here it is. Let's say you go to dinner. It's Tuesday evening. And you go to a place that's a beautiful place. Not, not beautiful enough the white tablecloths or anything. By the way, here's an idea. When you go to a restaurant and they give you a white dinner napkin and you got on a dark suit, give it back. Because it will put lint on your clothes. Just go ahead and give it back. Say, please give me another one. I want a dark one. Just tell it. It doesn't cost you anything. But if you want to put a little extra in the offering for that comment, you go right ahead. We'll give it to missions. How about that? But you're, you're doing, uh, maybe some of you are in here, uh, right where I'm at right now, you're, you're just trying to lose a, a few pounds. Y'all know what I mean? You're trying to lose a few pounds. You truly would like to get rid of the spanks. <laughs> you like to burn them. So you go to the restaurant, and uh, that restaurant is known for onion rings. And the server comes up and says, you know what? It is Ring-a-Ding Tuesday. <laughs> well, what is Ring-a-Ding Tuesday? Our onion rings are free tonight. We'd like to gift them to you. And they bring out a nice big basket or plate full of onion rings that have been battered in a in a seasoned batter that their chef, who is highly acclaimed around the world for his onion ring batter. If you're going to tell a story, just get in with it. And you say to yourself, oh my Lord, I, I, don't, I don't need those onion rings. And I mean, they're that wide and about that big around, and oh my Lord, they're hot. And they put that ranch sauce or blue cheese sauce or that other sauce there. And you think, I'm trying to lose a few pounds, but I don't want to be rude. <laughs> so you take one and you put salt and pepper on it and you break it up and you like that. You don't want your tongue to touch it because it might strike something in your mouth that it tastes good. You just kind of like that. And you eat too. And your spouse, he doesn't care. He's 75 pounds overweight, so he's just forgot it. Come on, baby. Eat one more. I like you just like you are. You don't need to lose any weight. Get another one, okay? Here, go ahead and get another one. Hello? Well, you don't want to be rude. You want to save your marriage. You eat, you eat the other one. 
So here we go. Another server comes up. Another server comes up and said, oh, have you heard about Tuesday Temptation Friday night? Tuesday Temptation Friday night, what's that? Hey, we have just started, and we've just started, we bring our potatoes in from Idaho, and we hand peel them, and we hand slice them. They're they're not consistent with their size because we hand slice them, and I just took a fresh batch up. And you, you, folks, you folks are enjoying those onion rings so much, I want to gift you these hot French fries. You don't want to be rude. You eat a handful of those. And before you know it, the steak you ate, you only ate a third of it. But it was 24 ounces. A third of it, 24 ounces. The hot bread with the butter unbelievable the potato with all the fixings you know you help yourself oh don't put it on the potato put it on the side what good is that because you're going to take it from the side and put it on there hello y'all with me and here's what you do pastor get to your point i'm getting there you get home and you lie to yourself you say i didn't really eat that much I mean, I only had like three of the onion rings, 110 calories a piece. I only had a handful of fries. I mean, a, a potato is only 90 calories or 110 calories, not when it's fried. I only ate a third of my set. You began to lie to yourself because you know sure as shooting. You overate, you violated your diet, and you should have never done it, but you can't live with yourself believing that you're the same old person before you started the diet that showed up. You can't believe everything your mind says. Your mind, unless it's sanctified, will give you permission to do more things than you could ever imagine. Number two, guard your mind against garbage. Guard your mind against garbage. How many of you hate it when somebody decides to throw a trash full of garbage out on a highway you have to travel? Just throw it out there and gets all over the highway. I just want you to know that'd probably be one of those. Anyway, let me move on. Guard your mind against garbage. All right, so here it is. Did, Did you know if you look at a video, a video image as opposed to reading an article, that that video image will process 60,000 times more because you see the video than what you read. 60,000 times more if you see it than what you read it. Do you know why that is? The optic nerve is the only nerve that is direct to the brain. It's the optic nerve. That's di- no other nerve is direct, just single nerve to the brain. And what happens is, have you ever said, uh, I know that I'm not supposed to look at that? Ladies, when he says, well, I'm only human. I look, but I don't touch. You better thank God you keep looking, you will eventually touch. But when you watch video, here's what happens. 
The mind gets lazy because the brain is not made to be able to process that much image that fast. And here's what happened. It creates laziness. That's why you can sit for two hours and watch a movie and wonder when are we ever going to get done in church. Why? <coughs> the video makes it mind lazy. And what you put in that mind, it's called G-I-G-O, garbage in, garbage out. Here's what Proverbs 15 says. Proverbs 15, verse 14, a wise person is hungry for truth while the fool feeds on trash. Food and trash. Nutritionists say, as I discovered, there are three categories of food. Number one, there's brain food, which makes you smarter, makes you feel better about yourself, builds you up. There is uh, junk food. We all know what junk food is. And then there's toxic food, toxic food that is not good for you health-wise in any way, shape, or form. And toxic food going into your mind, like pornography. Like pornography. Like dirty pictures. Those kind of things you see that you hide when you do it is toxic. It interrupts the flow of God's love in your life. Psalms 101 verse 3, I will not set before my eyes anything that is worthless. Anything that is worthless. How do you get over that? I call it conversational prayer, and I call it concentrated focus. Conversational prayer is, hey, you just talk to God all the time. You say, well, what do I do? Go along mumbling? All? No, you, sometimes people do that anyway. But just talking to God, God, I need a little help here. That's, that's really going to nail me if I'm not careful. Another is concentrated focus. What does that mean? It means I focus on the things according to the Paul, according to Paul in Philippians 4. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank you for what he's done. If you do this, he says, you'll experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your mind as you live in Christ Jesus. So fix your thoughts on what's true, honorable, and right. Think on these things that are pure, lovely, and admirable. Think about the things that are excellent and praiseworthy. So he says, you can have a concentrated focus on the things that are, in fact, important. So you say, well, I'm going to resist that. The Bible says to resist the devil, and, and he'll get behind you, and he will flee. We understand that. But here's what happens psychologically often. What you resist persists. The devil does not give up just because you resist a little bit. He doesn't give up just because you say, get behind me, Satan. Whatever you resist, he persists. Paul understood that first time in my life I've ever seen it. That's not what he says do. Here's what he says. When you know there's something in your mind, he says, <clears throat> instead of resisting it, replace it. Replace it with a good thought. Have a bad thought, replace the bad thought with a good thought. When you think vulgar things, replace it with that which is pure, honest, and above report. He says replace it. In other words, it's like changing the channel. I'm not watching that stuff. How often do we sit at a movie that begins to use more foul language, F-bomb, and everything else, and we as Christians sit there and watch it instead of saying, nope, 
I have walked out of theaters when that starts to happen. There you go. Not going there. You know why? I'm protecting my brain. You don't have to shout me down. I know that I'm close to where you live, some of you. But listen, it's time to replace. It's time to be bold and say, not me. Proverbs 20, verse 5. Counsel in the heart of a man is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. You see? And here's what he says. There are a lot of people in this room that know things in life that you don't know. Uh, for example, if you want to know something about construction, how to build a business, how to build a house, how to build a commercial building, you're going to want to go over and talk to Frank. New Jack Construction, because Frank can read plans, can look at it, and say, well, here's what you need to do. Here's some cost factors on his computer. And you may not know squat about that. Some of you may know, hey, I don't know anything about computers, but I know so-and-so. He can take a computer and whatever problem you got. I know how to deal with my computer, friend. I have a little ball-peen hammer in my desk. And I keep it right there because when it gets to the place that I'm about to totally go over the edge, I just take that hammer out. And then I call tech and I think, if you cannot fix it, it is time to put the hammer down. They usually come in and fix it. I've only, I've only done that one once with a ball-peen hammer. So it's like brand new. But they know how to fix it. And you have information. Here's what he just said. He said, your brain ought to always be getting information. Your brain ought to always be growing. It should be important. The mind of a smart person is eager to get knowledge. Proverbs 18, 15, the wise person listens to learn more. So, number four, re renew your mind daily with God's Word. Renew it daily with God's Word. You can have your devotions, and you got the selected little scriptures that are there, and you say, that's good. Okay, got scripture. Let me read these four scriptures, and that it. But what am I talking about? You won't renew your mind that way. You'll build up a little defense, and you'll be able to check it off, did devotions. But if you want to really protect your brain, take the book and read it. And read it. Why? Because your understanding grasp it. So that when the devil shows up, you can be like Jesus and say, oh no, the word says this. There is nothing that can take that place. You renew your mind because your mind gets tired. You get weary. Day, or Paul says in Romans 8 or 12, don't conform any longer to the pattern of the world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you'll be able, that you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. How do you do that? In the Word. If now you know your behavior is not in alignment with that, that Word right there, you are wrong. It's time that you face reality, face the truth, and say, I want to live by the Word. I want my mind renewed, not by what culture, not what everybody else is saying it's all right to do, but by this book. This book. Getting that, when you do that, you will begin to grow and you will begin to know. Isaiah 26, 3, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, whose thoughts are fixed on you. You'll do what? You'll keep in perfect peace all those whose minds are focused on you. Perfect peace. 
You won't get to the place. Well, I'm ruled by fear. Number five, stretch your imagination. How many of you have a good imagination? That's good. See, I can't see well because can I give you a little yard advice? Y'all sit out there, and when you raise your hand, you do it like this. I, I, can't, I can see your body, but I can't see the hand. So would you just, you don't have to do me any favors because I'm not worthy of it. But just do what I ask. <laughs> Get your hand up. How many have a great imagination? Amen. There you go. I knew it. I feel good now. That's about three times more than raise your hand the first time. Now, you cannot live in an imaginary world, okay? Just want to call you back a little bit. But a great imagination. Why is that important? We talked last week, you ought to have a dream. How can God fulfill a dream if you don't have one? You ought to have a vision. How can God fulfill a vision if, if you don't have one? You ought to have a vision, a dream. Acts 2.17, in the last days I'll pour my spirit on all people. That's you. Your sons and your daughters prophesy, and your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. We learned that if you don't have a vision, you're going to perish, which means people are out of control. They don't know where to go. They don't know what to do. They don't know how to manage it. Out of control means, hey, I have no boundaries. You say, that person is out of control. You know what you say? They know no boundaries. Whatever happens, happens. No boundaries whatsoever. And when you have no boundaries and no guideline, here's what's going to direct you. What's going to direct you is your carnal nature. Because you're not going to have anybody to pull you in line. You're not going to have anyone say, this is the boundary. You're not going to have, you know what culture is going to do? The culture is going to say, have it your way. Live any way that you want to. So you have to have those, those boundaries that are there. You see, Napoleon once said, Imagination rules the world. Einstein said, imagination is more important than knowledge because knowledge is limited, but imagination goes on. And God says, I want you to use your imagination, not for evil. Just drive 35 minutes from here and see what the imagination of one man looks like. Just one. Look around this room and look at the different visage. Look at the different personalities. Look at the different shapes and models. God said, I imagined you before the foundations of the earth. I knew what you'd think like. I knew what you'd look like. I knew what you'd act like. You're not a surprise to me. In my imagination, I knew when your kids were born, which one would have blue eyes, green eyes. I knew which one would have hazel eyes. I knew that. I knew that they might be born with dark hair and wind up with blonde hair. And I'm talking about naturally, okay? But he even knew what hair color you're going to put on there, sir. I mean, lady. You got it? His imagination. So here it is. What if your vision and your imagination given to you by God were to burst forward with willful initiative from you? If you say, my life is in the muck, you, you're not using your imagination. 
Your imagination said, if you're in the muck, why don't you make some mud patties and sell them? Your imagination says, yeah, your back is against the wall. Learn something because it's God's will that your back never be against the wall without you come out with something new and fresh. But if you decide in your life, this is the way my life's always going to be, and this is as high as I'm ever going to go, and this is all that I'm ever going to be able to do, he say, you, you don't have a vision. You don't have an imagination because here is what I believe. You're never more like your Savior than when you use that imagination that brings honor and glory to Almighty God because you can look at his imagination and you look out and look up at the skies. How wonderful. Go to the ocean, take a look. Go to the Grand Mountain. Go to the Tetons. Go, go wherever you want to and you'll see the creative hand of God's imagination. My question to you is what are you doing that uses your imagination? Because when you use your imagination for God's honor, God will create something in you that will give you a thirst for more of who God is. How wonderful, how wonderful is that? My good friend Tommy Oakley, who comes to the first service he lives over in Winter Haven, and he um, is the president and CEO of Oakley Transport. So if you're driving down 27 in Lake Wells and look to the right, you'll see one of his yards that has five or 600 semis and tanker trucks that go Mexico, Canada, all over the all over product. I was uh, with him for a few minutes at lunch on Friday in groves and cattle. He loves Victory Church. So this morning he brought his grandkids and everybody else sat back there. But I asked him, I said, did you ever believe Oakley Transport would be that large? He says, well, every truck's there. You know, I had to sign to purchase it. But never realized that it would continue to grow. But my father, my father talked about his dad and but the point is this, there could have been a time that a great idea came that was not temptation, but a great idea of inspiration that says it can grow. Every time you take a step of faith from a place of comfort and you take a step, that step will cost you something. Let me show you something else. If you're here and you take a step, it will cost you something to take that step. But you know what it costs you to do this? Nothing. Nothing. Because backing up is easy. Backing up doesn't move any needle. Backing up is not creative. Backing up is just deciding to go back where you were. But stepping forward says that's vision. We're moving forward. It costs. But I am willing to take that step of faith to believe that God will breathe. Well, I took it, bless God, and he didn't breathe on it. He's not out of breath. 
He is not out of breath. He is not out of breath. You know what happened? Here's what you did. When you thought he should have breathed on it, he didn't. You did this. He said, I ain't breathing there. I'm breathing over here. If you want the breath I've got, you get over there where the breath is. Come on, that's worth a hand clap right there. And that's what he's saying. In your mind, in your mind, if you've given up on something or someone, if you've just become lackadaisical, don't take a step back. Take a step forward forward, and say, God, I know you. You haven't done it yet, but I, I'm believing that an anointing, that the power of your love is going to be right there with them no matter where they go. Matter of fact, God, I think they're on their way back home right now, on their way back to the cross of Jesus Christ, on their way back, and they're bringing back some scars. But God, you are the healer of all scars. That's the grace of God. Come on, put your hands together and let's thank Him. I'm done. Let's stand up. Whew. Yesterday, I, Sharon wanted to have her hedge pulled up. She has about a hedge in all the back and all the sides, and I think there are 50 or 60 of those plants that when you her hedge you pull them out the bottom is about that big so yesterday for about six hours I'm pulling those up I had two grandkids with me <laughs> I think we about worked them to death but anyway we did it I remember the first time that I did that 20 years ago she had a jeep and I thought I, I pulled it up and I'm digging and digging and digging you hit a root and you dig and dig and you think, not enough for me. I spent enough time on your little Weasley thing. I got her Jeep. I put a ski rope. I tied that ski rope to the bottom of that plant, hooked it up to the trailer hitch. And I thought, I, would, I don't mind telling you, I was exercised. Another word for angry. I thought, you little devil, you coming out of the ground. And buddy, I put that Jeep in four-wheel drive and I took... That ski rope stretched, and that plant went over to the top of that Jeep, way out there in front of it. I thought, well, you better back up. I didn't do that yesterday, but I kept pulling up, kept working at it until finally, thank God, it rained about 2.30, just in time for the last one to get done. So today, I'm sore, my hands hurt, my neck hurts. My back hurt, but I'm taking a step forward. That hurt right there. Amen. A step forward. I want you to leave here. Listen, in your hands is a powerful tool that is unlimited with its ability to create positive things in your life that will make the devil as mad as uh, he's ever been. Amen? As he's ever been. And it's within your ability to do it. So what say you leave here today? And you just reach and say, I got me something this morning at church. And I can't wait to try it out when I get out there. Amen? If you're bound by something and you're thought that's depraved and corrupt, just go get rid of it. Amen? Just get rid of it. You say, well, I don't know that I have the power to get rid of it. Well, do this before you get out of the parking lot. Tell somebody you know, love, and trust what it is. They'll get rid of it for you. Amen?
they'll get rid of it for you. I just want you to love Jesus and get the best out of who he is in your life. So let's just pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you today for the abundance of your grace. I pray you'd speak to this congregation. I pray you'd love on them. I pray you'll encourage them. Holy Spirit, I pray you'd give a revival in the life of every hungry heart. I pray every mind that is not in tune with you, God, let us reassess what's going on and, and give it over to you and let you breathe on it. Give us faith that passes all understanding. Minister and meet every need, Lord. I pray those things. Now with your heads bowed, maybe there's some of you say, I'm guilty. I'm guilty as charged. I'm not right with Jesus. I'm wandered away. You have wandered away and I have not been behaved. You know what your problem is? Here's what happens when you do that. People see you who had trust in you, who believed in you, who thought you were straight up. And when you wandered away, you know what you did when you wandered away? They saw you. And now they're confused because they no longer know what to believe. Are you the person that purported having a relationship with Jesus? Are you the person that's decided to wander over there into the ditch? You know how to correct that? You make a public statement and say today, I hope somebody sees me come to that altar because I want to let them know if they're looking. I want somebody to be able to tell somebody else but they were back in the altar today. You know what will happen? All of heaven will come down and some prayers you've been praying that's been being withheld from you, God will pour it out and you'll get the blessing. So let's pray together. Shall we repeat this? Dear Jesus, forgive me. I'm sorry. I messed up. I wandered away, but I am back. I believe by faith. I am forgiven. I no longer want to follow my will. I want to follow you. Help me, Jesus, make the right decision at the right time, at the right place that brings honor to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I believe that. James 5.14 says you got a problem. Come on down. Let us pray for you. Believe God. It's right there. No one with oil. So whatever, if it's healing, you're the one that get, you'll know God pulling on you. If God's doing the pulling, you come right on down right now and you will fulfill the will of God for your life. Lady, listen to me. Whether your husband comes or not, be obedient to God as God speaks to you right now. As we sing, you come quickly. Would you do that? minutes on you in this place
Let's worship, shall we? And grace falling on every face. There is freedom. Oh, Jesus, some of you leaders help us. Thank you. See, and grace. We go these people over here need someone there need someone here some lady over here over here help us out okay here you go Heavenly Father now in the name of Jesus we give to you these treasures that have been spoken to by your Holy Spirit to come forward I know those that are listening right now they're multiplicity of challenges I know that but God your Holy Spirit is big enough so I'm trusting you to do what you said you would do would you minister meet the need of our church family keep your hand on them bless their homes bless their businesses give them a special anointing and a special touch and we'll thank you and give you praise and honor in Christ's name amen tonight I want to be talking about God and you every miracle that's ever been given happened as a result of God partnering with you or you partnering with God. Turn to somebody and say, I think you found your peace today. God bless you as you go in the Lord. See you tonight.